Welcome. If you're a woman who has a sense that there's more out there for you, you're in the right place. I'm Whitney Baker, host of the Electric Ideas podcast. Somewhere along the line of working kids, life carried on, but I lost track of my truth. I'm on a reflective journey, and that's what this podcast is all about. Each week, I interview a woman who is lighting her own path and offering others hope. Before our conversation ends, we'll share a reflective question for you to explore. Sometimes all we need is a jolt, a fresh idea, an aha moment that connects us to a sense of possibility. This, my friends, is what I call an electric idea. Welcome back to Electric Ideas. Today's guest is Lior Kelly. Lior is a nutrition and fitness expert. Her focus is coaching women on how to stop yo-yo dieting, improve metabolic function, and achieve their goals in a way that feels really healthy and sustainable. Along her journey, she's helped hundreds of women restore their metabolism and hormone health, eat better, improve their physique, and build confidence. I know we all want to feel shiny and confident stepping into the holiday season, but it can be tricky to feel energized with so many of these events being anchored to eating and drinking. Lior has some great advice for how we can navigate the holiday season and hopefully enjoy ourselves, but still feel good in our bodies. So let's get into this. Hi, Lior. Welcome to the show. Hi, Whitney. Thank you so much for having me. I am very excited to have you because I already feel in my community this kind of holiday season nervousness, spread too thinness coming into play. And so I think one thing we can help women with is this whole navigating of the food and drinking part of the holidays, like how we can feel like we're a part of the cheer and celebration without feeling gross, to be honest. So (laughs) let's just kick it off there with any like basic advice for how you recommend we navigate the holidays from the food and drinks and celebration portion. Sure, sure, 100%. So like you said, many women are spread so thin, whether we're moms, working, whatever it might be. And if we're hosting or attending a lot of different holiday events, it can feel very overwhelming. And if we have health or fitness goals on top of that, it can just feel like there are all these things set up against us to fail, right? And in my professional experience, I find that many women, we've learned to kind of judge ourselves morally on our behaviors around food. So we tend to be hypercritical of ourselves if we indulge a little bit too much, if we had one too many drinks. And when in reality, we're just humans trying to do our best. So I think coming into it from a place of reminding yourself that food is abundant to not come from a place of deprivation, but also coming from a place of giving yourself grace and just allowing yourself to enjoy the holidays. One meal, one party is not going to throw you off track. But if you want some applicable things just that people can apply, like let's say day of, you have a big event. Something I see a lot of women do is starving themselves in anticipation of the event because they know they're going to be eating a hell of a lot. And really what that does is it sets you up for failure because then you're showing up hungry, hopefully not hangry, probably a little bit stressed and immediately looking for some sort of something to to do if you have any social anxiety or anything like that. So day of, I would just recommend anyone to treat that day like any other day. Have a balanced breakfast, rich in protein and fiber, something that's going to help you stay satiated. And I recommend really trying to never show up hungry. So making sure that you have a balanced snack or small meal, half an hour to an hour before the event. 
That way you're going to feel more in control of food. You can enjoy the food for the flavors and the textures, and you're not necessarily leaning on it to fuel you. That makes a lot of sense. I try to keep it real. And I I know you really talk a lot about mindful eating as well. And I'm practicing that. I'm on my own journey with that. But I will call myself out and know that sometimes, especially when there's lots of stimulation, like bigger parties, there's lots of people talking to you and there's just a lot going on. I am guilty of filling up my tray of food and then being like, wow, I just downed a bunch of appetizers and wasn't really paying attention. So I think it's partially because of the excitement and overstimulation. There's so much going on. What are some tips for actually enjoying these indulgences? So this takes practice and I try to encourage my clients to see any of these events as an opportunity to take this mindfulness into practice, right? So in the moment, I really recommend taking a couple of deep breaths. If you notice in that moment, hey, whoa, I'm eating this really, really quickly, or I'm not even present to what I'm eating and I'm just so focused on this conversation I'm having, I'm imagining a cocktail party. I don't know why, but like you can pause and just me too, me too. Small plate, <laughs> like that napkin in your hand and really just engage in the conversation for a moment and then know that that food is not going to go anywhere. You can come back to it. Another practical tip is what I encourage everyone to do is remind you, hey, you are allowed to have all the food there, right? As soon as we enter it and tell ourselves, I'm not going to have the cookies. You're just going to be in that conversation, not fully present because you're just thinking about the cookies. So Put whatever you want to have on your plate. Prioritize the more nourishing, more nutrient-dense foods, protein and veggies. And then also allow yourself to enjoy the foods that you enjoy. I encourage clients to, and I do this myself, is I kind of ask myself ahead of time, what is it that I really want? Is there a great cocktail that I want to try? Is there a dessert that looks good? I'll use Thanksgiving as an example. My mother-in-law makes this amazing sweet potato dish with like maple and orange and walnuts. And it's so good. Pecan pie is also made. And I'm just not a pecan pie fan. So I'd rather have seconds of the sweet potato and pass on the pecan pie because I've just learned to honor what it is that I really want and go for that. That makes sense. I want to bring it back because uh, you kind of kicked it off by saying that women judge ourselves morally, and I would add harshly around food. (laughs) And I know there's going to be times I'll give you another scenario. I feel like when we're doing like the cookie making with our kids, whether it's that or a party where you do accidentally overdo it, and you're trying to be in the moment and enjoy and then you just feel awful. It's very easy to beat ourselves up. So I'm curious if you have any advice for reframing this or resetting so we don't spend unnecessary time in that energy. Yes. So I like to give an analogy for a situation like this. We all inevitably, quote unquote, fall off track from time to time on our journeys, right? Just in any any growth journey. So the analogy I give is imagine you're driving in a car and you get a flat tire. What are you going to do? You're going to pull off the side of the road. If you can fix a flat tire yourself, amazing. Or, you know, you call AAA, whatever, call a friend to fix it for you. And then you can continue on on your journey and get to your destination. Whereas what we tend to do when it comes to our health and fitness is we get that flat tire and we get out and then slash all three tires. So when you put it in that frame, in that analogy, it sounds ridiculous. And that's because it is. So what I tell my clients often is, 
you know, the longer you beat yourself up about it, the longer your delay is in taking action to getting out of it. And you're just one action away from feeling better. So the first thing that you should do in that moment is really take a deep breath, give yourself some grace, ask yourself, did I enjoy myself that night? Okay, maybe I overate, maybe I had one too many drinks, but did I create memories? Did I connect with a friend or my aunt who I hadn't seen in a couple of months, whatever it might be. And then remind yourself that you're human and just get right back onto your usual plan. I don't want you to skip breakfast or feel like you have to make up for it. It's just about getting back to your basics, drinking your water, moving your body in some way that feels good to you and having balanced meals, not feeling like you need to take away because you overdid it in the past. I really like how you put that because I do feel like there's this tendency to go two ways, like either being overly compensating, like, oh my gosh, now I'm just, you know, eating lettuce today or something, which I appreciate you just calling out, just getting back to the normal will will be good enough. But when you were picturing slashing all four tires, this is bringing up for me, oftentimes I think when people kind of fall off, they just really fall off. Then they're like, well, I already ate like garbage last night. So I might as well have the nachos today. And it spirals. Is that common? Oh my my gosh, a hundred percent. And I've been there too, where, oh, well, I already had two slices of pizza. Might as well have a third and finish a whole pint of ice cream. And then tomorrow might as well just pig out at brunch, you know, like it just kind of spirals. So Mm -hmm. this kind of falls into the all or nothing mindset. And that mindset is something that prevents people from, moving forward in their health and fitness because they have this idea in their minds that they need this ideal scenario where we wake up at 6 a.m. every morning, get our workouts in, do our meditations, have our green drinks. And we just, we have this idea of perfection and that once we get there, we are going to attain our dream bodies, dream physiques. But what we're really doing is we're taking away all the joys of life by believing that. And What we really need to realize is that we can continue to make progress and that progress doesn't need to look perfect. So in that moment, let's say you you overindulge and now you're eating a sleeve of Oreos when you get home from the party, right? In that moment, it's just about taking a breath, recognizing that behavior in the moment. And the first time you recognize it, you might not even change that behavior. You might just be like, you know what? I don't care. I'm still going to eat this sleeve of Oreos because it's a practice that you're used to. But over time, as you continue just acknowledging that and saying, you know what, I'm just going to put this away right now and give myself some water and be grateful for the food that I've been able to nourish myself with today, go to sleep and tomorrow is a new day and I'm just going to wake up and go back to my basics. Love that. This also is kind of in the same vein as I know some of the women you work with are likely already a little bit tired, a little bit stretched. And I think a lot of people just want to throw in the towel and assume they're going to gain weight, I guess. I don't want this to be just about weight, but I feel like that's what a lot of women seem to preoccupy about at this time of year, unfortunately, or just not feel optimal. I'll put it that way, right? Right, sure, sure. They just assume that they're going to give up and reset in the new year. What do you think about that? It's why we unconsciously tell ourselves to keep us safe, but safe means stuck. So when we tell ourselves, what's the point? I have all these events coming up. I have family in town. I'm going to be traveling. There's just no point in even trying. That again, falls into this 
false narrative that we've told ourselves that in order to make progress, the situation needs to be perfect. We need to have the time to be able to meal prep, to wake up early, to get our workouts in. And we've already overcomplicated it for ourselves. When in reality, we can just make small changes. They're not going to be perfect, but they can absolutely over time lead to progress and change. Statistically, most Americans gain between five to seven pounds from Thanksgiving to the new year. So telling yourself, "Eh, I'm just going to enjoy and like not worry about it until January is setting yourself up for a harder time. Like if it's about weight, let's say, or just if you're not focused on building the foundations of some practices of exercising or being mindful of your food, whatever it might be throughout the holidays, if you can't do it during the busiest time of year, when are you actually going to do it? And it's not like life just ever opens up for us. Like curveballs are always being thrown at us. So it's really what we do and how do we adapt our exercise routine, our nutrition plan around those events so that we can still enjoy, but also be mindful and intentional. So then by the time January comes, we're not five to seven pounds heavier, feeling inflamed and lethargic. We're fine. We're, we're staying at the status quo, which I think is progress in and of itself. Hey, it's Whitney Baker. I'm popping into this Electric Ideas episode with a quick opportunity to take care of yourself a bit more this holiday season. Are you a mom who's feeling the weight of the holiday rush? If so, this is your invitation to come take a breather with me. In a few weeks, I'm hosting a live online Grounded and Bright workshop. I created this workshop just for moms to give you a chance to push the pause button during a season that can be demanding and to make some space for peace and get clarity on what's actually going to make you feel a little bit more merry and bright this season. So again, this is a live workshop. It'll take place via Zoom on Wednesday, December 20th at 12 Eastern or 11 Central. And I'd love to see you there. For additional details and sign up, you can check out the link in this podcast episode's show notes, or you can pop over to my Instagram page at, at Whitney Woman, where I'll be continuing to share details and answer questions. I hope to see you there. Okay, back to the show. For the woman who is on that edge of wanting to start this more healthy journey, and let's say maybe she's listening to this and she's like, forget it. I'm not waiting until January. I think so many women are like, I'm going to start drinking all my water and then I'm going to spend all of Sunday meal prepping. And I think they just end up doing nothing consistently. So if we're looking for a reset, hopefully maybe it'll start tomorrow, not January 1st, you know, what are some basics or how can we think about structuring that for ourselves? For sure. So exactly like you said, many times when we take on this lofty goal of, I want to change everything about this, or I want to feel better. We put so much pressure on ourselves and we make the standard astronomically high that we are going to fail because it's just ridiculous to assume that overnight we're going to hit all of those things at once and completely transform as humans. So what I encourage people to do is start with just one thing. For example, if you have a very sedentary job and you are just stuck behind a desk for eight, 10 hours a day, I would encourage that person to to go for more walks. It can be that simple. Can you go for just a five-minute walk every morning? Just start with that. Once that becomes a habit, can you build on it and increase it to 10? Are you able to take a walk during your lunch? 
I think a lot of people underestimate the progress they can make by just small lifestyle changes. And they believe that they need to overhaul their lives overnight in order to see the changes that they want to see, that they don't even put the time into doing just the small things that if they build on, compound on themselves and lead to big change. This resonates so much because I've even caught myself in that trap of like, well, if I can't go to the gym and do a big workout, then I guess I'm just not. Yeah. (laughs) And it's like, there's still, you know, walking outside for 10 minutes can be on a variety of reasons, very nourishing. (laughs) Yeah. I tell my clients, I give them a plan B. So if a client comes to me and says, I'm stressed, I'm spread thin. There's no way that I'm going to get all three workouts in this week. I feel overwhelmed and exhausted. I'll say, okay, so what's the plan B? If we don't get all three workouts in, it's not the end of the day. It's just a week. What is something that is going to help you feel like you're moving the needle along, but it doesn't necessarily have to be plan A. So for example, yeah, a 10-minute walk rather than getting your workout in because you just didn't have that time that day is better than not doing anything at all. Thanks for sharing that. I want to talk a little bit about metabolism because I know that comes up a lot in the work you do with your clients. But before we move into that, I guess I just, I know we covered a lot of territory with holidays and holiday eating and feeling good. Is there anything you didn't have a chance to share that you wanted to share? Again, just putting yourself in this mindset of this sometimes overwhelmed, often a caregiver person who wants to take care of themselves and feel a little shiny and special themselves during this time. Yeah, I just, you know, I want the people listening to know that everything that we discussed, all the all the setbacks or the the mindsets that we fall into that keep us stuck. I did it all. I was that person. I was the woman that just told myself, yep, there's no point. I'm not going to get a workout in and missing one workout turned to never going to the gym for months. Or I would say, that's it. I'm done. Starting tomorrow, I'm going to bing, bang, boom, try to hit all these ridiculous goals for myself. And I could never find the middle ground. And I told myself, I'm a perfectionist. So this is just who I am. This is how I'm always going to be. I'm never going to be that girl that looks forward to working out. And here I am now a personal trainer and nutrition coach teaching women the joys of exercise and and mindful eating. So I, I would like your listeners to know that what we tell ourselves about ourselves is true until we can prove it otherwise. And nothing changes if nothing changes. And that change can be small. I'm so glad that you had a chance to share that. So moving on to metabolism, I feel like there's so many people that are just like, I have a slow metabolism and I am curious what your thoughts are on metabolism in general. Are we born? Are they made? Can they be shifted? I think there's a lot of confusion. (laughs) Yeah. So first let's define it. So metabolism is the process by which your body converts food and beverage into energy. So it's not necessarily a thing, it's a process. And it's impacted by a lot of different factors, some of which are lifestyle. So how much sleep you're getting, what your body composition looks like, what your dieting history is like. And then there's also genetic factors as well. Your metabolism is always changing. It's adaptive. And I was that girl too, that was like, I'm just got a slow metabolism. I'm so jealous of my friends with speedy metabolisms. They just eat anything and, you know, nothing stays on their hips. 
in reality, there are a lot of things that we can do to improve our metabolic health. And in fact, women who are chronically yo-yo dieting, it's actually negatively affecting their metabolism and likely causing their metabolism to adapt and slow down. I guess I know that there is no one size fits all when it comes to anybody. But what are some no brainers for women who want to proactively support their metabolic function? Yeah. So spending time not dieting, making sure that you're eating an adequate amount of food. Of course, for every woman and her goals, that's going to be different. But so many women that I work with have come to me after, you know, spending their entire adult life just trying to lose the last 10 pounds. And so just jumping from diet to diet to diet, when really what they need to do is actually focus on adequately eating enough and getting their metabolism to adapt to the amount of food that they should be eating. So that's one. And then something simple is strength train, lifting weights. Muscle is more metabolically expensive than fat. So having more muscle means you are just burning more calories even at rest. So that just having more muscle on your body is going to help support your metabolism. I like that. I think that for some reason, I've always been a fan of strength training, but for some reason, it's even more on my radar. So many people seem to be talking about it in kind of the the middle age. So I'm appreciative that you mentioned that. <laughs> yeah. Look, once we hit 30, we lose about... I want to say, I think it's three to 5% of our muscle mass per decade. It's called sarcopenia. I don't know if that's the exact statistic, but it's right around that percentage. So if we don't use it, we lose it. And strength training is important for supporting our joints, improving bone density. It's beneficial in so many ways. All right. So I'm going to echo that back to you. So if we're going to try to boost our metabolism, you're saying just kind of get back to the basics with a normal, healthy, don't keep trying new things and shifting because our bodies will adapt. Yeah. You don't want to continue trying to eat in a calorie deficit. You don't want to continue just trying to eat less food. You want to eat enough food. I've spoken to so many women that tell me like, oh, if only I wasn't so hungry all the time. And they equate hunger as a bad thing. And the hunger is the thing that is preventing them from hitting their fitness goals. When Hunger is a beautiful thing. It's your body telling you that you need to be nourished, and there's nothing wrong with that. And we're lucky to live in a world that we can nourish ourselves, that we have this access to food. So yes, making sure that you're eating an adequate amount, making sure that you're strength training regularly, and making sure you're eating enough protein to support the muscles that you're building through your strength training. All right. That's really helpful. I know we're getting close to time, but I feel like I always like to ask people that have so much to say on these topics of nutrition and health, since you've worked with so many women, are there any misconceptions that you wish you could just kind of like wipe clean, wipe the slate clean so that they weren't in women's minds? (laughs) Uh, So many. Pretty much the idea that to eat a significantly low amount of calories is going to be the thing to help you get your dream body. I wish women spent more time nourishing themselves and eating more. That makes sense. Anything else that you want to share as we come to a close? Just, I think it's important for your listeners to know that if they're feeling stuck, if they feel like they've tried every diet out there, or they feel overwhelmed because there's so much conflicting information in the 
nutrition and wellness space to know that they don't have to feel like that forever. That's where I was before I learned. And it wasn't really until I hired a coach and had her show me the way that I realized, oh my gosh, if I knew that I could have eaten this much food in my twenties and and have this much energy and feel good in my body, like the amount of time I've wasted just feeling like crap about myself and about my nutrition. So I guess I just want your, your listeners to know that there is another way and it doesn't mean starving yourself. And I'm seeing more and more that as we get older too, that more women are are stepping away from that and, and realizing, you know, I deserve to take better care of myself. And that doesn't mean just eating very little calories, but yeah, just to encourage them to know that they deserve better than what they've been told from the dieting industry. That's an important message. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I always close with the same question and that is, What's one question women could be asking themselves more? That's a great question. I think many women that I work with come to me with with a lot of fear and anxiety around food. Like we talked about at the start of this conversation, how we harshly judge ourselves based on the foods that we eat or the decisions we make, or, oh my gosh, I had a busy day and I just had to run into McDonald's, right? Like there's so much shame that I hear in those kinds of conversations. And I think it's important to look at where does this fear and anxiety come from? Because it comes from somewhere. And to take a look into that from an anthropological perspective, just asking yourself, why do I believe that? Where does that come from? What bad thing do I think will happen to me if I eat this bagel? Using that as an example. And realizing that those fears are often not founded in truth. And to know that Our fear of food is more harmful to us than any food itself. That's a really great reflection to close on. (laughs) Yeah. All right, Lior, I know that my community is going to want to continue to learn from you. So where can we follow you? Sure. So you can follow me at lior.kelly.wellness on Instagram. You can also find my website is lkwcoach.com. And I try to provide a lot of value and freebies to just some guidance to help women get out of their funk. Awesome. I know that a lot of people are going to enjoy taking advantage of that and connecting with you. So thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much, Whitney. I really enjoyed our talk. I'm so glad you joined me today. If you're looking for more, feel free to connect with me on Instagram at at WhitneyWoman. And if you enjoyed the show, I invite you to support me by leaving a review or sharing it with a friend. Hope you have an inspired day.